Father, I decrease so that you may increase. And we dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I just got, uh, this morning I did church at uh, Victory Christian Center, Pastor Dar Blanche, and out in Mount Pleasant, and it was really good. <laughs> Holy Ghost showed up. There was about 30 people who got born again. And a bunch of people got healed and delivered and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I feel in my spirit that we are in a prophetic time as a church. Because as an evangelist, I travel all over. I, I travel a lot of the res churches and churches in different countries. And there is, seems to be everybody's on a, on a precipice. And there's so much brokenness. And there's so much misery, even within the body of Christ. And it's not because of lack of good preaching. Amen. We got some of the best preaching in the world at this church. Sorry, I'm a little biased, but we do. We got a pastor who brings it every single weekend. <laughs> Amen. We got best worship. We got the power of the Holy Ghost. But what's going on? And I think, I think part of the issue is, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to give you a warning. This is not going to be a warm and fuzzy message. All right? <laughs> but I think you can handle it. This is Sunday night crew, right? I think a lot of times what the church has been doing is putting all the onus on the pulpit. The fivefold ministry is gifts to the body of Christ the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, all the gifts of the, all the, all the offices are for one purpose and one purpose only, to train and equip the church to do the work of ministry. Amen? The reason this church is not full is not because of a lack of the things I mentioned earlier. It's because the church is not going out there and being the church. That's the truth. If we would rise up and get off our blessed assurance and take what's been deposited in us and activate it in our world, then we'll not only change this church, but we'll change this community, we'll change this nation. Amen? Because the answers aren't going to come from Washington, from the demon, I mean the Democrats or the Republicans. It's going to come from heaven. The message that I have for you tonight is something out of Exodus 8.1. This is in the NIV version. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. And a lot of times... We find ourselves in bondage or in stuck situations and we're crying out for freedom and we're praying and we're interceding and we're, we're at the throne and we're asking for freedom and we're focusing on the thing that has us in bondage instead of the why behind the freedom. God wants us to be free so that we can worship him. And I know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm... I'm not that, as far as contemporary worship is concerned, singing, I'm not that good. 
I can lift a lot of heavy things, but I can't carry a tune to save my life. But worship is more than just what we do on Sundays, either in the morning or at night. Worship is about sacrifice. Remember when uh, Abraham was taking Isaac up to the mountain, what he said to the servants? He said, you stay here. We're going to go up. This is the Mike Benson version. We're going to go up on the mountain, and we're going to worship, and then we'll return to you. So he considered the sacrifice of his only son worship to the living God. God wants his church to return to worship, and not just here in in the church, in the sanctuary, during the services. He wants us to worship him every day. Worship is a weapon, and it will drive the enemy crazy. Er, because he's already nuts. Amen? (laughs) So Moses is a type of Jesus. He was a figure of something greater to come. You see, God, it was no problem for God in his power through his mighty works to get Israel out of Egypt, but it was a far greater task to get Egypt out of Israel. And the power of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross, it's no big deal to get us out of the bondage of sin and out of the world, but it's harder to get the world out of us. Amen? And so, in Deuteronomy 18, 15, in the NIV, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And notice that when, when Moses was born, Pharaoh had all the males killed. When Jesus was born, Herod had all the males kid, killed. The enemy is always trying to steal your destiny. He's trying to steal your right now and the generations after you. And Pharaoh is a type of Satan or world system. Satan is subtle. He doesn't come to us with a pitchfork in hand and drawing pentagrams on the floor and lighting black candles. He comes to us as an angel of light. And he wants to do everything that he can to keep our heart out of the hand of God. He don't mind if you show up at church. He don't mind if you worship with your hands raised. But he minds when your heart is on fire for the living God. Because then you become dangerous. Because then you become like your father. Amen? 2 Peter 2.19, this is in the God's Word translation. They promise these people freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. A person is a slave to whatever he gives into. In so many believers' lives, we become slaves to things that shouldn't have us in bondage. Okay? Okay? I'm going to get a little real and a little raw with you tonight. Is that okay? All right. Some of you heard my story about 2013, how I had a stroke. And um, it was, I, I was at home, and I was very tired. And my wife, Stephanie, right here, she says, I think you need to go lay down. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. And when I went for the, went for the stairs, I fell down. I couldn't get up. 
no pun intended. And I tried to get up, and, and she said, what's wrong, Mike, what's wrong? And I, I said, I'm fine, and she was looking at me funny. And she said, what's going on? And I said, I'm fine. And she, she jumped back a little bit. So something told me that what I was trying to communicate to her wasn't getting through, so I just zipped it. And I'll never forget her standing over me with the cell phone, and she's saying, Mike, you better not be joking around. I'm calling the ambulance. <laughs> because I'm known to pull a prank or two or three or four or five or something like that. They usually involve firecrackers and, all right, never mind. <laughs> but I wasn't kidding around. I was having a stroke. The enemy got in, and he got me. The doctors... They did a brain scan. They were at the Hallstein Center here in Grand Rapids. They did brain scan, and they said I had damage on two areas of my brain. One area was my speech center. They said it was all but gone. And then the other area was on my prefrontal cortex, the area that regulates your strength and your decision-making. And they were amazed because they said, you shouldn't even be uttering sounds right now, let alone speaking. And I told them, I said, with all due respect, I, I have respect for the doctors and the medical profession, but I get my opinions from the great physician. Amen? Yeah, because he's got a plan for my life, and there's no devil in hell or my own mistakes or my own misgivings that's going to stop his plan from coming to pass. Amen? That's the thing about God. He is a redeemer. And how I got to this point was I had opened a door through compromise. I had compromised my walk with God. I got so caught up in the work of the Lord that I forgot about the Lord of the work. I was out there running and gunning. I could preach. I was getting souls saved. In the last 10 years, we've had over 330,000 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Yeah, We call that a good start. But I got so caught up in the work of the Lord that I forgot the Lord of the work. And I remember, I'll never forget, I had a vision from the Lord. I've only had two open visions in my entire life. One was when I was in prison, and the other one was this one. And I was in a chair, and I was sitting, and Jesus came up beside me, and he whispered in my ear, and he said, Good job, son. Now follow me. And he started walking off at an angle. And I sat there in my chair, and I held on to my chair and I stayed seated and he went off in the distance. You see, I compromised because I got comfortable. And I'm here to tell you that it's going to get very uncomfortable in the coming days for the body of Christ. <laughs> but it's going to get very powerful for the body of Christ. You see, I, I had an issue with my sleep. I, I sleep apnea. Anybody know that? You know, I got one of those Vader masks. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Any ladies? Yeah, yeah, Vader mask. And uh, they said I had borderline narcolepsy. They said uh, that, you know, I had a tendency that I'd fall asleep. And I'd be driving down the road, and I'd start nodding off. That's not good. So they put me on Adderall. And any of you who know what Adderall is, that stuff works. <laughs> and somebody with my personality, that's not a good mixture. <laughs> it's like Superman pills. Bam. Pop a couple of them, I'm good to go. 
And so I, I, I justified it. It's a medical thing. And I, I was, and I was going on those things. I was getting not very much sleep. <laughs> I would go for days. And the enemy came in and he hooked me and he got me in, and he pulled me down in bondage. After the stroke, I, I slipped into depression. I went down a dark hole and I almost lost everything. Almost lost my ministry, almost lost my marriage, almost lost everything. But if it wasn't for this church and men and women who rallied around me and spoke life into me, I wouldn't be here today. That's one thing about the church that we have to start learning not to do is shoot our wounded. Amen? <laughs> we do a lot of that, don't we? Oh, yeah. So, so this is not something I'm preaching at you or to you. This is something that I've experienced myself. And I know that sometimes people get, look at us in the pulpit in the five-fold ministry and they put us in a place of, oh man, those guys or those gals, oh, they're, they're, like, they're way up here and we're down here. Hmm. It's not true. We're just like you. And you're just like us. We are in this together. Amen? This is a we thing. There's no Rambos in the body of Christ. Rambos get killed in real life. They don't make it. It's a team effort. And so I want to go over the strategy that the enemy uses on you. And I want you to really listen with your heart. And if you find yourself in any one of these stages, then I want you to be ready to respond to what the Holy Spirit will do tonight. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit has shown me what he's going to do tonight, and he's going to set some people free. Amen? Some of you have been struggling with things for a while. You've been questioning yourself, been questioning God. But tonight, it's going to be done. Because this is a divine time. These Sunday nights are designed for things like this. This isn't just something we came up with and thought about on our own. This is breathed of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a remnant in this church that's going to light this place on fire. Amen? So, the enemy presents us things that seem to be freedom. Liberty. We hear a lot of that in America. Oh, we got our freedom and our liberty, and, and we, can, we can have pornography because it's freedom of the press, it's freedom of speech, it's freedom of expression. But not everything that seems to be free causes liberty. It causes the opposite. It causes bondage. And one of Satan's master plans, one of his schemes is to trick us into believing that the, the commands of God and the word of God are restrictive and they're anti-freedom. But that's the opposite. Because being in obedience to the Word of God and walking under the power of the Holy Spirit is the best freedom you'll ever experience. And it's also a death that you'll experience. Death to self. We live in a culture and an age that glorifies, worships, and deifies numero uno. And a lot of times, we as Americans, we, 
build up these facades of self-sufficiency and independence. And what we're really doing is we're building up walls against something that we all fear more than anything, which is rejection. It's one of the worst things. It's one of the most crippling things to a person who's trying to walk with God is the fear of rejection. But God will never leave you or never forsake you. He's always got our back. So often these facades that we use to stave off rejection actually perpetuate more rejection because people can see through it. And we get isolated. We get into our own little thing. In Exodus 5.9, Moses, when Moses declared Israel's liberty by the word of God, Pharaoh said, oh, really? Have you ever been in that place where you took a promise of the Lord and you said, I'm going to stand on it? I'm done just glancing over and reading, sounds good, and I'm done with my devotion for the day. But you actually found a word that lit you up, and you said, I'm going to take that word, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to stand on it. And it seemed like all hell broke loose. That's because it did. Because the enemy wants to test you to see if you're really serious. And in Exodus 5, 9, when, when Moses declared that to Pharaoh, Pharaoh was like, let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work hard at it so that they will pay no attention to their God's lying words. You see, Pharaoh was going to make their labor even heavier. He was going to press in on them with the circumstances. So whenever you step out and declare the word, it's one thing to stand on the word, but when you start declaring the word of God, oh man, look out, you're going to get some attention from the enemy. He is going to put some circumstances, he's going to put pressure on you. But that is a design, and the Father knows it. And what the enemy means for your destruction, God's going to turn around into your construction. Amen? I'll take my own life, for example. 2013 was the year, the worst year of my life, period. It was the worst year by far of my life. If I had a choice of doing 2013 over again, I'd rather walk through a forest fire with gasoline underwear on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was that bad. But God took the mess that I made and turned it into a message because I didn't give up. I didn't quit. That's the only thing he requires from us is that we don't quit, we don't give up. We keep pressing on, keep pressing in. Amen? So then Moses demonstrated the power of God. And that's something that we need to return to as a body of Christ. Demonstrations of the power of God. And I'm not just talking here at services. I'm talking in the grocery store. You know, where they're getting on there and saying at Myers, uh, we got something going on in aisle seven. We don't know what it is, but <laughs> there's people all over the floor. <laughs> I think it's a spill. 
We sang about it tonight, didn't we? Yeah. We carry the presence of God in us. And the conquerors, we, uh, we practice something that we call presence evangelism. One time we went to the school in, in uh, Saginaw. And uh, when I first got this team, I was a little, I was a little, I wasn't so sure about it because I knew I had a call of God on my life to evangelize, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and all that. But there was a component of this ministry that, that I didn't know when that was doing motivational school assemblies. And I, I wasn't too sure about that because we're going to go in here and motivate kids to make right choices but not tell them about the choice to make. And so God changed my paradigm real quick on that one. So this one time we were going to Saginaw High School. It was probably one of the worst schools, districts in the state besides Detroit. And I'll never forget that day I didn't want to go. But we had a video guy coming to do videos and take some footage and stuff, and we had it all set up and everything, and so I had to. And for me, I was hoping to have a good turnout. Some of my guys, you know, they're, they're volunteers, and none of them could make it except for one guy. And he wasn't my top choice, to put it to you that way. <laughs> but I was like, all right, we got to go. I gave him my word. I committed. So we go. So we get to this school, and we walk in through metal detectors. And we're setting up, and everything's getting going. And the principal comes walking across the gymnasium floor. And she says to me, she says, I wish I would have caught you before you got here, because I would have told you not to come. I said, why? And she said, we had a shooting here in the school yesterday. And there's gang tension, and we don't know what's going to happen here today. And I was like, oh, that's OK. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. So I've got all this stuff running through my head, all this confusion, and, and I'm wondering, Lord, was that you telling me not to, not to go? Was that, was that you compelling me not to do that? And I, I, was, I was confused, and I was thrown way off kilter. So I just simply said, okay, let's. So I grabbed the hand of my teammate, and our camera guy got together, and I said, let's just pray. And I said, Lord, this is your day. You knew this day was going to come. We ask you to show up here. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer, just like that. So they all come in, and there's a ton of people in there. And I came out, and I, I hit them with a, I mean, I took a real hard tone. I wasn't working on rapport. I hit them right between the eyes. Started calling them out and everything, and telling them, oh, you think you're bad and all that. I've spent 11 years, and, blah, blah, and I just, just went off on them. And my teammates back there going, oh, man, he's going to get us killed. <laughs> We're dead. <laughs> Pray. <laughs> and, and we get done with the assembly, and we distribute God's word, the book of hope. And with a high school audience, we usually get about 30 to 40%, maybe 40 on a good time of people in the audience take a book of hope. We had a 75% of those students take the book of hope. Yeah. They walked out, we're packing up, we're like, yeah, high-fiving each other, boom, slam dunk, nothing happened, we're all good, no holes, we're good to go. And then, all of a sudden, one teacher comes walking back in. And she's looking down at the floor doing like this. And then another teacher walks in, seemingly bewildered. 
And then this one teacher, she comes walking and she makes a beeline to us. She said, you all are Christians, aren't you? I was like, oh man, here we go. I found out. I said, yes, yes, we are. She said, I can feel the presence of God in the hallway. She said, I've been a teacher here for 30 years. And every assembly we have, afterward, it's chaos. You can hear a pin drop in the, in the hallway. There's students crying by their lockers. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we meant to do that. <laughs> Not. So we're leaving, and we got her on video. You know, she testified to that. And, and we're leaving. And, of course, that whole experience, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to inquire of the Lord about the why behind that. And, and he said to me this. I'll never forget it. He said, son, they may be able to stop you from saying my name, but nobody can stop me from showing up. Nobody. We need to be aware that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, on us, available to us 24-7. We are walking Holy Ghost revivals. Your boss is giving you drama at work. Give him some of the Holy Ghost. Pray for that brother. Lay hands on his desk or her desk. People come at you and say, I'm going to get you. Say, oh, really? I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. Love on them. Show them the power of God. You see, the world doesn't want our Jesus because we don't reflect the real Jesus. Sorry. It's the truth. We don't reflect the real Jesus. Jesus is not a wimpy dude. He's a lion. He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. Amen? Amen? And so, so Moses demonstrated the power of God. And, you know, they, they had the little show off between the magicians and they threw their their rod down and turned to a snake and, and Moses' rod ate the magicians up. And so Pharaoh said, okay, the gig is up. <laughs> the power of God is the power for freedom. The scripture tells us that we err in two ways, not knowing the scriptures and not knowing the power of God. Sure, we know about it, right? This is a full gospel church. We know about it. But how much of it do we experience in our day-to-day -day life? How much of it do we exercise? Kind of like muscles. You know, to build these things, it takes a lot of, you got to practice. I didn't get this from Jane Fonda videos. <laughs> I love it when guys come up to me, yeah, man, I want to, yeah, I'm working out, but I don't want to get that big. I said, don't worry, you won't. <laughs> you have to exercise. God's given us gifts, and he wants us to exercise them. Revival is going to happen 
when the church starts being the church outside of the church. Amen? That was Steve Hagish, wasn't it? <laughs> when the church starts being the church outside of the church, this is like the rallying point. This is where we all come together. We edify one another in psalms and hymn. We, we encourage one another. We listen to the word. And then we're supposed to go out there and go back into the war. Back into the battle. Because Jesus is counting on us. People's lives are on the line. Amen? So, then in Exodus 7, 11, then Pharaoh called for the wise men skilled in, in magic and omens and sorcerers skilled in witchcraft. And they did the same with their secret enchantments. So Satan, his next step, if he can't intimidate you, he's going to try to disorient you. Get you to question whether or not you heard from the Lord. I get that so many times when people come, I don't know, I, don't, I, I think I know what God's saying, but I don't know what God's saying, and it's back and forth and back and forth. Get the Bible, find it written in the Scripture, and that's what God is saying to you right there, and stand on it. Amen? Take a stand on it. The enemy is always, if he can't push you out of the back of the boat, he's going to try to push you out of the front of the boat. Amen? Exodus 8.25, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice your God here in the land of Egypt. When we are determined to serve God, the enemy has no choice, but he still tries to get us to stay in the land. He'll disorient you, then he'll compromise. Okay, it's okay. You will go worship your God, but stay right here in the land. But they weren't having it. After more demonstrations, basically, God put the smack down on Egypt. Then in Exodus 8, 28, So Pharaoh said, I will let you go so that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Plead with your God for me. <laughs> you can go, but just a little bit. God wants us to go all the way. It's time to go all the way with God. You know, I pick on sports a lot. And uh, because, you know, I, I kind of get tired of people coming up to me because of my size and stuff. And they're like, hey, man, did you see that game last night? No, did you see that revival on TBN last night? They think I'm a sports fanatic. I'm not a sports fanatic. Or a fan. Because to me, it just doesn't make sense. Grown men throwing a bag of air around. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Dallas right over. <laughs> I'm not against sports, but I'm just not a big fan. And you know, it amazes me how many people can scream their heads off and act the fool in a stadium. 30 below zero, with no shirt on. Yellow hair. <laughs> But how come they can't get loud about the Lord? It's time for the church to get radical. It's time for the church to rise up. We have to, our fanaticism has to be a, a fanaticism of love, a fanaticism of grace, of mercy. We got to outlove the world. 
The regular church is not going to cut it in this time. These millennials are not buying it. They're not buying it. They need a demonstration. They need a demonstration of his love, of his mercy, and his compassion. But they also need a demonstration of his power. I can't be, we can't be where everyone else is. You can reach people that I'll never reach or never have the opportunity to reach. And you know the people in your circle, their whole destiny that you're going you're gonna to be required for it one day. You're going to stand up there before God, and God's going to be, hey, this person here didn't make it. It's because of you. And you're going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I was tapping on your heart to go over there and witness to them, and you didn't do it. See, but a lot of times we get saved, we're born again, we're in the club, we got the, we got the get out of jail free card. And then it's like, oh, those sinners over there, oh, those people over there. We can't do that anymore. See, I told you it wasn't going to be warm and fuzzy. Amen? So, Satan's attempt was to get Israel to lose their vision of the promised land. If we are trapped in bondage and we're seeking freedom, we need to get a vision of a promised land. God has a promised land for all of us, every one of us. We need to focus on the promised land. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Now, as we're praying and during worship, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying that there were several people that you feel like you're at your wit's end. You feel like you can't go on. You feel like something's going to give, that you're going to break that you're going to lose. I'm here to tell you, the Lord says it ain't over. Your breakthrough is coming. He's created you for good things. He's got a purpose and a plan and a destiny for every single one of you. You ready? You ready for freedom? All right, this is how we're going to do this. Church, start praying, please. The Bible says... These signs shall follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover, cast out demons. But there's a verse of scripture about the woman with the issue of blood. Nobody laid hands on her. She didn't sit and listen to a, a message. She just heard about Jesus. And she said to herself, if I may touch the hem of his garden, I'll be made whole. She acted on her belief. She put action with her faith, just like you did. You came up here. Some of you are getting free right now. Holy Spirit is working on you. You're getting free right now. She pressed through the throng of people and got to Jesus. She touched his garment and she was made whole instantly. 
Jesus turned around to his disciples and said, who touched me? His disciples, this is Mike Benson version. What you talking about, Lord? <laughs> what do you mean who touched you? You see all these people? No, he knew somebody touched him. Your faith is what reaches out, touches God, and receives your wholeness, your healing, your deliverance. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to believe it with your heart, speak it with your mouth. And when I get to a point where I say, and I'm free from, I want you to declare it, whatever it is, out loud. Okay? I want you to declare it. Because there's life and death is in the power of the tongue. But before we even go further, I've got, I've got one more thing I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that we need to take care of. How many of you up here have somebody in your life that you need to forgive? Raise your hand, please. Okay. The majority. Right. Okay. Let, let, let me start with the basics. You can pray. We can be in here under the presence of God, his strong anointing. You can get freedom. You can walk right out there and bam, right back on you because of unforgiveness and bitterness. Some of you, that unforgiveness has gotten to a point of bitterness. If that's you, just raise your hand if you got, if that unforgiveness has gotten to bitterness. Okay, it's okay. It's all right. Just exercising your faith. So let me explain to you what forgiveness is. Let's say you come up to me and you do something to me to harm me, to disrespect me, to try to bring me down. And I look at you and I say, oh, really? You're going to do me like that? You see this cup of poison right here? That'll show you. They go on, they go on with their life. They, they're not even thinking about you weeks and months later. You have a thought. Man, that person, I can't believe what they did. And you keep drinking that poison. Forgiveness is not about excusing what they did to you or saying it was okay or justifying it. Forgiveness is for your freedom. You're saying what this person did to me, I'm not al allowing it to have any more real estate in my heart or my mind. Amen? So are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to forgive? Now I know some of you, it's hard. And it's not about how you feel. It's a faith thing. You're going to declare your forgiveness. And I want you to commit to pray for them for the next 30 days. Will you commit to pray for them? It may start off with, Lord, bless them. It's okay. So we're going to do the two prayers. We're going to pray the forgiveness one first. When I get to the point where I say, and I choose to forgive, I want you to say their name. Okay? I want you to declare their name. And then we're going to do the other prayer too, okay? You ready? Everybody understands? There's no... All right. All right, let's go. Let's put our hands up toward heaven. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you that you love me. You proved your love by dying for me. 
You've washed me, cleansed me by your blood. You've made me righteous through your forgiveness. Father God, I want to obey you. So right now, I make a decision through faith. And I right now, I choose to forgive. Go ahead and say their names. Continue with me. Say, Father, bless them. Prosper them. Help them, Father, for they know not what they do. And even if they did, it's okay. Because my life is not in their hands. It's in yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Okay, now we got that part. Now you're ready for freedom. Okay? Put your hands up toward heaven from where your help comes from. And repeat this prayer with me. Same thing. Mean it in your heart and speak it with your mouth. Say, dear Jesus, Lord of my life, I thank you that you saved me, that you cleansed me, and that you delivered me from all my afflictions. So I receive freedom, deliverance, healing, and wholeness right now in the name of Jesus. I declare the strongholds, name them, I declare those strongholds broken in my life from this day forward. Satan, you don't have any more authority. In my mind, in my heart, in my life. My life belongs to Jesus. Father, fill me with a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.